0: What's
1: Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined by two of my favorite people in the whole world. We've got Martin Heemster coming at you live from Moscow, Idaho. Martin, how's it going?
2: It's going good. My uh, Hopefully, I should have a new PC next week so you can all see my lovely, positive outlook face next week, but who knows for sure. Golly, I am happy Martin. to be back.
1: I sure hope you get that fixed. It sure would be dang swell to see that face of yours. And then over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, last but not least, Brian Marceau. Brian, uh, the facial reactions. Where are we going with this?
0: No, nah, it's just the language, man. I love I love it. Um, So last week, spoiler alert for those wanting a worthless history lesson. I said last week was my flu game episode. Yeah, not quite. This is my flu game episode for reals. Uh, but otherwise, man, things going well here. Um we, we will take a week off at least of volleyball stuff because we talk about that as batched news mm-hmm. so that we have discussion points there's a little bit of volleyball stuff we're going to choose to wait a little bit longer to further discuss but um, so today is a basketball football football basketball however you want to slice it day Dallas which um, I think is a little bit more what most people expect to talk about this time so I'm ready to roll
1: let's just jump right into it then guys so we obviously the news has been out there for quite a while that the coaching staff has been filled out for uh vandal football uh we haven't gotten into it just in in the way that the shows work we do one show a week and
0: sometimes it just is one of those things we just don't get to so can finally, i pause really quick just one yeah. extra thing hey just like pull the curtain back guys Off-season football news is not time sensitive whatsoever so full disclosure we batch football news so we can attach it to other episodes, so we get like a complete episode worth of or stuff. Well, you could have the
2: Alabama situation where they have sav one a coordinator and then leaves after a month.
0: L- well, there's that, but like, hey, big oh, picture, sure. we try to record at least once a week and have around the same time. Well, football itself, if you football off season news l- news lends itself very well uh, to that being put on whatever week it happens to work on. That's why, like, hey, Martin, you did the football recruits episode with Patty, where you walk through the majority of players. Then we had the signing day, but we've had weeks where we push stuff back. It's not a big deal. Again, we uh, football is king, but off season it's not time sensitive whatsoever. So that's another really long, not important history lesson for those curious. You're welcome. Dallas take the wheel. Absolutely, Brian.
1: So, Again, if you're listening to this and you're one of the few people that probably doesn't know about this, uh, you can go read about it on GoVandals.com or go check Twitter at any point in the last month or so. Uh, but Dan Jackson is in as the new Vandals uh, defensive coordinator. Comes to us from Vanderbilt. Uh, on the 23rd of January, the final announcement was made to to flesh out the staff in total. Uh, guys shifting around internally. Uh, Tyler Sutton now coaching tight ends and the special teams coordinator Matt Linehan has taken over the recruiting coordinator duties, and David Lose is now the defensive line coach. He's taken on the edge's responsibility uh, after uh, Coach Oswega is not uh, returning next year. So, Brian, before we get into the new coaches, any quick reactions to hearing those three guys getting a little bit more to do on their daily, day, uh, t- daily task list?
0: Yeah. I mean, I felt pretty good about the announcement overall, you know, to, the, to me, the biggest spot to fill was special teams coordinator, you know, when Thomas Ford left for Oregon state and I um, had made mention last during last football season to some people potentially changing roles. And Tyler Sutton is a guy who I feel is kind of overqualified, for for being in Idaho right now, he'd been an offensive coordinator previously, and he was recruitment coordinator plus tight ends coach. Honestly, I didn't think there's a prayer Sutton was going to be here for a third year when he first signed on. So if this keeps him here for another year or two, fantastic. You know, Sutton for sure. Like he has some background in special teams previously, so this isn't exactly what you'd call new. I mean, he was special teams coordinator uh, back in 2018 for. University of San Diego, which is where he came to Idaho from. So we get a guy who has background at position. Great. A Full disclosure, for every coach who added uh, an extra position to their title, that means they're going to get paid. They have more responsibilities, but they get paid more. That's one of the things you can do at this level to try to keep guys around a little bit longer. But, look, the Big Sky is a good special teams conference. Uh, Hey, Bobby Hauk at Montana, he is their special teams coordinator, but he's about as good as it gets at the FCS. Weber State is still pretty strong, too. So um, we've never seen uh, Tyler Sutton as a special teams coordinator here, so we don't have fruits to speak of at this point. But he's a guy who's done well virtually everything we've seen here. He did well at San Diego as an OC. So uh, that, that rotation in particular I was happy about. So that kind of leads
1: into, again, as you mentioned at the start of that, uh, recruiting, uh, excuse me, special teams coordinator, obviously a big hole to fill there with Thomas Ford leaving Thomas Ford's primary duty, running backs coach. So Idaho's new running backs coach is going to be Deontay Cooper, uh, former UW uh, team captain, actually kind of an interesting story for anybody that follows uh, FBS or Pac-12 or Pac-10 or Pac-2 or whatever the hell it's going to be now. And, Big Ten, I guess, for you dub uh, Deontay Cooper actually played for Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Peterson, blew out his ACL three separate times, was considered a can't-miss prospect, and unfortunately just never did a ton because he tore up his knee in 2010 and then again in 2011, 2012. It, 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 a bummer story for a guy that looked like he honestly he was probably going to be an NFL guy. I uh, had a little cup of tea there. Anyways... He goes into coaching shortly after that. He ends up at uh, Highline High School, uh, and then uh, actually had a, a, a quite a, a good stretch there. Uh, if we Did, go through it, it again, Rehabbed
0: the terrible program at Sun.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, they not not great. They were four and six uh, when he took them over. The uh, very next year, they went four and zero in conference, made it to the two A playoffs. Uh, had the COVID year, which you know was made stuff super weird. Uh, but then over the last three seasons, they went 28 and 7, uh, 18 and 0 in league, uh, state semifinals in uh, 2022. Then in 2023, they made the quarterfinals, went 10 and 2, uh, 10 and 2 back to back years. Uh, so very good, uh, as a high school head coach. Now finally getting his, uh, his chance here as the running backs coach at Idaho. Uh, as Martin says in the chat, uh, hey, I remember him when he first signed at Washington, and then Highline was ass back when he played them in 2009, 2010, 2011. So, um, your thoughts, Brian, on Deontay Cooper as the new
0: Vandal running backs coach. So it's hard to bring up reaction to Cooper without reaction to other positions. But one of the things that I like, and this was persistent with Jason X first staff, the the guys who rolled over year two and now year three when he's having to reassemble. I like that what Eck does it it honestly feels like the opposite of what Bobby Hauck until recently did in Montana. Which is um, Eck has a pretty broad rep. Has chosen to hire guys and offer guys that gives a very broad range of experience, both coaching experience, lived experience, playing experience, and then of course recruitment footprint experience. So Deontay Cooper, easily youngest guy on the staff. It's his first. This is his first college coaching job. Or not? He's probably he's close to Matt Linehan's age, but he he's young. Uh, this is, he's the least experienced guy at the college level, but like, doesn't bother me at all. Like, Hey, phase one, he's probably why Mark Juan McCraney is coming to Idaho the highest rated recruit in like Idaho slash big sky history around there, which we all know and they cannot, not trying to dismiss recruiting work. We all know recruitment ratings don't necessarily pan out, but the recruitment ratings are also not like completely rectally derived. I'll just say like, Hey, there's some obvious athleticism from a That's why his rate as high as he is. Well, Cooper's probably a big reason why he's over here. So hey, phase one, we have that phase two. One of the big PTSD moments I had when Thomas Ford left was the success that Idaho had had recruiting in the Western Washington region. You wouldn't say that's exactly because of Thomas Ford, but it certainly was a meaningful uh, reason why Idaho did as well in that area. And Deontay Cooper looks, I mean, looks like he'll help replace some of that lost, potentially lost influence with Ford leaving. Um, I don't think Idaho is really competing with Oregon State for recruits out of that region for the most part. And hey, Tom Kendall saying Tracy Ford, huge help. Well, I have to be vague here, but let's just say the guys that Tracy Ford might have helped funnel to Idaho, I'm not worried about them not being funneled to Idaho with this new hire so look i I think it checks some boxes and i just like the um homogeneous nature of the staff or sorry the heterogeneous nature the heterogeneous nature of the staff of young guys old guys guys who are rising guys who are settling guys who are moving up to new coordinating positions guys who are bouncing back to position coaches it covers a ton of potential experiences and a ton there's a ton of different ways where you can explain how the type of guy who's going to connect with different players or recruit different players here—that box is checked. So that's a long way of saying, "Cool with it, man. I, I like it."
1: Yeah, uh, just in the uh, you know the pr- the press release, obviously, exes some some nice things. Uh, Joel Thomas recommended Deontay. Uh, I believe Martin said uh, that Eck uh, had said at the signing day event that Ford recommended him. Uh, the, the, this is obviously a coach who comes to us with. With high praise, probably not a guy who's going to be here very long if the running backs look really good. It feels like, hey, he might be just having a, a touch-over stop in Moscow on the way to trying to build a career. Hopefully he's here for for a very long, successful time, but it uh, feels like that's going to go on. Uh, Jason Mayer saying his twin brother DeAndre is the director of player recruitment at ASU. So, again, there's that you know, Kenny Dillingham came through the Pacific Northwest and is you know, trying to build that Arizona State program. Brian, just the last thing. Uh, you you mentioned specifically, like, hey, it's it's really cool to see that like there are coaches on the swing up. There are coaches that are maybe you know not settling, but coaches that are are taking a step down from where they were. Uh, that does take us to the final addition to the coaching staff, Hunter Hughes, the new Sam's and Nichols coach. Uh Patty Frakes in the comment section. Shit, I'm late. What did I miss? Patty, you missed everything, man. It was you missed the the rip roaringest 14 minutes we've ever had. Uh Anyways, uh Hunter Hughes comes to us. Interestingly enough from pro football uh, last year, he was actually in the USFL. Uh, he was the defensive backs and a quality coordinator, uh, excuse me, quality control coach for uh, the new Orleans breakers who did end up going seven and three, but uh, the XFL and the USFL merged. They cut half the teams. Unfortunately, the breakers were cut. Their head coach actually continued on and got a, a job with a different team. But, uh, Hey, Hughes was left out on the outside looking in and is now coming to Idaho to be the, uh, again, the Sam and Nichols coach. Uh, Previously before the USFL, uh, he was at West Texas A&M. He was a D2 head coach there, where Brian will be thrilled by this. In his final game as head coach, Brian, he lost to the vaunted Simon Frazier, whatever their mascot was by the time they were falling apart. Dancing Maple Leafs. There we go. The Dancing Maple Leafs. Uh on, very unfortunate that uh again final loss there was Simon Frazier. He did end up going thirty-two and twenty-nine uh in his career there. Uh and, and ended up having a season where they went seven and four, five and two in conference. So I had a good season there. But uh Brian, your thoughts on on Coach Hughes coming in as the final position coach here against Sam's and Nichols.
0: Well, you, so th- there's also one other position rotation to get to with coaching, but uh so look, this is the inverse of Cooper of this is a guy, you know, when when we talk about Hunter Hughes, he's a guy who you already hit some of his background. He has head coaching background. He has defensive coordinator background. He has position coach background. Um he, I, I like it, I guess, you know, hey, Eck didn't have uh Sam's uh, a Sam slash, uh safety's coach last season. Uh, Bobby J was was safety's coach. Sorry, guys, I'm uh run. I'm getting myself lost in a sea of tabs. Sam's and Nichols, my bad. Sam's and Nichols coach. We didn't have that last season, so you know that just is part of what Dan Jackson putting his footprint down of what the defense is going to look like, coaching wise as well. So hey, you know, slightly different, but this sounds like an overqualified position coach to me. Of Look, you talked about his D2 run like the overall he was solid at at West Texas A&M, you know, a little bit over 500. You can understand why that didn't parlay to another head coaching position. But simultaneously, when he was at CSU Pueblo, he was the D.C. for a team that, that finished national championship season 2014, made the playoffs six times, did very well as a D.C. there. So, look, I mean, again, overqualified position coach Sign me up for those all day, man.
1: Yeah uh so for anybody uh super curious um CSU Pueblo actually shut down their program from 1985 to 2007 so when they returned in 2008 Hunter Hughes was the first defensive coordinator of Colorado State Pueblo in their their third iteration here so in in just that time from 2008 to again you know he coached there for 10 years or so but uh they they won a national championship six years in that like from a program that had not existed since 1984, he comes in is the defensive coordinator. They, his very first season, they're 37th fewest points in the nation during competition. Again, it's D2. So, you know, it's not like he went in there and it had an, ex- this extreme explosion of, wow, where did this come from? I mean, like It is D2 football. Let's, let's, let's lower our expectations a little bit, but then they shut out, uh, Minnesota State Mankato in the D2 National Championship game in 2014. Like The guy has obviously some some coordinating chops here, or excuse me, coordinated chops.
2: Not to jump in, but I think also, if I remember right, Ek, I think also might have been the OC, the coordinator on that Minnesota Mankato staff in 2014 as well. Tubs
1: Stats Department will get back in on that and, and check on that. Uh, so again, that could be where some, some of that familiarity comes from, but, uh, was 2011's uh, football scoop D two coordinator of the year. Again, a guy who has proven uh, after 10 years there, where you win a national championship after starting the program over, there is no, there's no way to, to spin that negatively. That is a hell of a job by a coach there. So feel great to have him in as the Sam's Nichols, Brian, again, a guy that has proven time and time again. Pretty successful there. Uh starting a program from scratch is nearly impossible in this day and age. And to do it and,
0: and win a title six years in, that's that's nothing short of outstanding. So that Minnesota State Mankato team that um CSU Pueblo shut out in 2014. OC Jason Eck, DC, Jake Dickert. That's uh probably Washington team. State football coach, Jake Dickert.
1: That's a good good recollection there, Martin. I, I don't know if I would have clocked that immediately, but uh again, that makes sense. There's Tom Kendall jumping in. Uh there's the unofficial tub stats department. Eck was the OC for the record setting offense at Minnesota Minnesota State Mankato during back-to-back Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference Championships in 2013 and 2014. So uh again, a guy that X got some familiarity with. Uh again, was on a trajectory of hey, had got a head coach, was technically in pro football. I know it's not the NFL, but uh, again guys like bob stoops are in there wade phillips is still in there like there's guys that have either coached at the top of college football or top of the nfl and is now here at idaho so uh i was probably not maybe where he exactly wanted to be but thrilled to have him here uh expect expect to see good things out of uh, again the sams and nichols any final thoughts brian
0: uh no sorry I'm just I'm scrolling through the twenty twenty the twenty fourteen Minnesota Mankato roster just for fun now, uh but no dude, like hey Dallas you look you essentially you hit on. On the main, main points. And again, I'm just gonna double down for one second. I like the spectrum of experience, spectrum of backgrounds that Jason X brought in. Um, and hey, this is not shocking with Jason X. This isn't shocking as a typical coaching thing. And a lot of the guys that he picks, you can see where in his background he either worked with them or worked against them. So yeah, I like it. Uh, there is one other coaching piece we got to get to, which is Matt Linehan is the recruitment coordinator now which um, I don't have anything to add there other than I'm glad Linehan has an additional responsibility, keeps him here a little bit longer, gets him paid a little bit more. And early fruits, again, like we we won't know anything in a material sense about the signing class until at the earliest for some of them spring football. And then for many, you know, it will not be for a couple of years. So like, hey, we'll know how well that went in the future. But at this point, I don't know like what evidence you would have to say other than, Hey, Eve, Matt Linehan appeared to keep the machine churning. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, to me, it's it feels like a no brainer. Uh, when you look at the coaches that are on the staff, not uh, not to say not to say anything to take away from any of those guys, but okay, you're looking at the guy on the staff who is the youngest and is the most recent Vandal legend. Like That, to me, makes more sense than anything else you could pitch for anybody else being the recruiting coordinator at this point. Uh, absolutely love the idea of having Matt Linehan head that up. Uh, you talk about a guy that loves this school. Matt Linehan is one of the first people that comes to mind, and and that's typically what I – again, not a huge recruiting guy. That's, that's Martin's uh, expertise, and, and obviously Patty uh, helps us out from time to time. But, man, when I think of if I was a high school kid, trying to be convinced to go somewhere i really want a coach that loves this place and i i don't i couldn't name a whole lot of vandals that probably love this place more than matt Lenahan.
0: so with that said guys that's our football update with that being said Brian, <laughs> sorry So we, that's all right we we have a natural shift we'll get to but it's just it's weird i feel like i have to clear my throat for this we're finally going to get to talk basketball again this will be the second time this season with new head coach, uh, Alex Pribble that we've been able to talk about basketball.
1: I'm sorry. Um, Jason is triggering me in the comment section. He's bringing up Scotland to There's a reason I brought up only Matt, Jason. I'm not going to talk about Scott right now. The, the hurt is still too real. Anyways, Brian on to Vandal basketball.
0: Uh, we, uh, I think you need to check the private chat. There is one other thing we we're going to go over first.
1: Oh, see, I didn't realize that we were going to do that first. It's, it's so early in the show. Usually that comes at like the 30 to 40 minute range and it's, it's more tacked on in the back there.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly. Perfect timing. I just, I don't know. I was not prepared guys, because can you ever be prepared for a great all-inclusive week long vacation that's right in your backyard? Because Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and guess what? They're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or even the Selway. You could check out special trips like one to see the Perseid Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike the scenic trails, spot the wildlife, Soak in the beautiful natural hot springs and fish the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 406-540-4450. Again, 406-540-4450. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. With that said, excuse me, with that being said, damn it, I screwed it up. Oh, gosh darn it, and I'm just <laughs> Man, just, uh, whoo amateur hour on tubs, guys. It's uh, whew. Anyways, Brian, speaking of moving past amateur hour, which is what the Vandal Basketball Program has been doing this year, it's time to talk Pribble, Brian. Vandals only have nine wins so far, but that would have been a pretty damn good year in the Zach Klaus era. Brian, where I'm gonna, you're you are our basketball expert. I want you to take the wheel from me because otherwise I'm going to crash us right into a cliff. Uh, where are we
0: going with Vandal basketball?
1: Okay, what do so you want to talk about?
0: I want to get us updated on where we're at uh, because honestly, the last four games it's felt like Idaho's turned over a new leaf. So let's get caught up on the season briefly. So Idaho sits at nine and 15 overall seven, seven and 15 versus D one teams, but two of those are power five. So you want to call that seven and 13, the actual record go ahead, but at hey, nine and 15 overall one where one win away from tying the Zach Kloss mark from last year, two from beating it. So, Hey, phase one, just, just get to that 11th win, man, please just get that 11th win. But look, the basic run Idaho has been on is, Look, like it turned out Idaho's out of conference schedule was pretty damn weak, which is part of why there is as much faith on the show initially heading into conference play on the show as there was. Uh, since then, Idaho man, Idaho in conference play started off right start off right away with a with a win back around New Year's over Sacramento state and then eight consecutive losses, which included a loss to St. Thomas from the summit league. And the last four games I want to spend talking about are because the leaf that has been turned over is looking like in that eight game losing streak Idaho had for the most part, the Vandals just were not scoring here scoring 72 against Portland state 67 versus St. Thomas 58 against Eastern 59 against Idaho state 65 against Weber 60 against NAU 68 against Northern Colorado. And this is kind of when we turn over a leaf after that Northern the blowout loss at home uh, to Northern Colorado, the last four games Idaho is two and two with close losses at Montana 73 to 70. And then last Saturday at Eastern 87, 79, although that, that game was in doubt until 60 seconds left in the game. Sandwiched in between those two losses or wins at Montana State, 81 75, and at Sacramento State, 61 45. Which all that the reason I want to focus on those two games, those last four games, is look in that run of eight consecutive losses, Idaho just wasn't scoring. Like this is a relatively solid defensive team. You can see they play hard, you can see they have a strategy that they work for. But, you know, Idaho was hanging close in the first half of the games and getting their ass kicked in the second half. The issue was teams go on runs eventually in basketball. And if you can't make a couple shots to push back, what do you do? You lose. So that's what Idaho did for about eight games in a row was be either leading at halftime or just narrowly behind at halftime and then just not put it together in the second half. These last four games, it's been different and it's it's been different in a surprising way because first off, my, my quote unquote sweetheart on the team, Tyler Lindhart, he's probably out for the year. Uh, Pribble said it again, the press conference this week, they don't have an, Lindhart's doing everything he can to get back on the floor, but with an undisclosed injury, the expectation is he's not back this season. Uh Couple that with Tyler Morris, who broke his ankle early you know, in like second game of the season, he dressed for the Eastern game, but he's not, he's not playing. And, Pribble made it pretty clear. He's probably not going to play this year either. So yeah, that's two potential contributors out. Idaho has been starting to get contributions from places. It wasn't getting it quite as much early. One of which is Kyson Rose. Kyson Rose, he started at the four spot, which is, you know, Hey, power forward. If you're not familiar with that, with that term, he, he started the season as the four for Idaho. Then went to the bench when Lindhart emerged. Then when Lindhart was hurt, uh, Rose came back in and in the last three games for Idaho, Rose has played some of his or last four games, Rose has played some of his best basketball. You know, if you want to look at his um the game log for Rose, we've he's uh he scored over 13, between 13 and 15 in each of the last three games. And he's doing so Early in the season, he's essentially a spot-up three-shooter. He's not doing that anymore. They're getting him rolling to the basket. They're getting him in post-up situations. He's just contributing in ways he had not been before, which is what Idaho needed if they're not going to – they don't have any all-big-sky talent on the team. They needed to get a little more bump-up in production from a handful of guys. Kyson Rose is one of them, Dallas.
1: Yeah, honestly, Brian, uh, one thing I've seen in the the last handful of games here is that the it is really nice seeing kaisen rose uh, develop obviously um but between rose and mims uh, it, it feels like you're pretty confident and you're going to get somewhere between 25 and 30 points uh you know sometimes there's there's nice are not quite that but it feels like you're going to get you you know what you're going to get out of those guys between the two of them you're going to get short of 30 more than 20 hopefully somewhere in that 25 30 range and then you're you're waiting on the rest of the guys to to pick it up so you mentioned that that eight game losing streak and just not scoring particularly well, Well, what happens when you're not scoring particularly well at the end of games, you're just, you're going to be gassed. Your defense just can't hold on much longer. It it just happens. It happens in all sports. If you can't score enough, eventually your defense just isn't able to keep things going the whole 60 minutes or 48 minutes or whichever sport it is. However long it goes the end of the game. If you're not putting the points up, you're just, you're, you're just not going to be able to do it. It is really nice to see, uh, especially in that Eastern game. I know they they did lose, but uh, a little bit better guard play, I've noticed. A little bit better co- contribution, Brian. EJ Neal in, in particular against Eastern. 20 points, uh, 7 for 13, shooting uh, 3 from 6 from 3. I thought that that was a really nice thing to see, and hopefully that will continue seeing, uh, seeing some of the guard play again explode. Uh, 15 points for Neal in that win against Sacramento State. So, getting a little bit of that guard play moving
0: on EJ Neal too, which is look the, the recruiting class that made up Pribble's roster, which, Hey, we all know he started that late in the game. That's the nature of taking over the way he did. It's a combination of it's mostly transfers. There's a couple freshmen, but mostly Pribble's group is transfers and there's a mix of D one transfers, junior college transfers and D two transfers. And, um, it's not shocking to see a guy like EJ Neal. He's a junior college transfer. It's not shocking to see those guys take about a year to really find their footing once they land from a ju- junior college to a D1 school. Like if you're have a, if you really long in the teeth, you might remember B.J. Blake back in uh, 2015, 2016. He was solid his first year at Idaho, then took a huge step his second year. If you want to remember a little bit less far back, dom ford for idaho he was a guy we talked about hey maybe he's one of the few who we want to stay around he's averaging 17 a game at southern utah right now uh, which is to say look hey better opportunity for that dude but the point being it takes it can take junior college guys a little bit of time to find their footing and my hope is that the recent spike in production we have out of ej neal is because he found his footing uh, he, we really hadn't gotten much out of him for a lot of the year, but EJ Neal is longer. He's athletic and he's a solid catch and shoot player. But the thing that's been different in these last two games, Sacramento state, and then Eastern when he scores, both those games were his high scoring days for Idaho 15 and 20. But what he did in those games that was different is he put the ball on the floor. Uh, EJ Neal put, got to the rim and finished, which that's, that's something Idaho just been in that run of eight losses. They were getting nothing out of the perimeter um, minus they are getting some points out of Denker, but it, you know, D- Denker's solid, but he, he doesn't create good easy looks that often. What EJ Neal is making is he's making wide open threes and he's getting in stride layups, AKA easy points. And Idaho just hadn't been getting any of that. So in addition to the fact that Neal's a long defensive presence, um, the fact that he's putting points on the board, you, well, you got to wonder how long he's going to be off the bench. Because he's certainly last two games, he's contributing more than like Trevon Blassingame, who is the fifth starter for Idaho. But Idaho's kind of rotated what they use at that three spot. You know, earlier in the year, they went bigger uh, with injuries. They've had to change up because Lindhart's not there anymore. But I, man, I got my eye on any, are we going to, Travon Blassingame is, plays a three for Idaho right now. I'm curious how much longer EJ Neal can perform like this and not get starters minutes because he, in particular has been a huge addition uh, to get penetration on the offensive end that I know just, they just didn't get at all early. And that was the big, that was the big problem I took away from Vandal hoops earlier is they honestly looked with, Hey, look when a team contributes real well, Dallas in the first half, and then it kind of falls apart in the second, there's essentially two interpretations. We know one like the brain dead one is okay. Coach didn't do second half adjustments. I don't think that's the case. Um, The other interpretation is no, like the coaching staff did their job and got an under talented group ready to play and they showed up. They just, they don't have tape of what the other team's adjustments are going to be. They've already maxed out on what they're going to do. So the issues, other teams adjusting in Idaho, not being able to follow, not as a put down but as they were maximizing their talents in the first half. If Idaho's going to finally keep scoring points like they did the last four games, hey, this is a different matter. And we're we're finally looking at a team that, you know, Dallas, the Big Sky has, um, you know, they've been in Boise for about five years. Idaho hasn't won a Big Sky Conference tournament game in six seasons. This is the seventh we're running into. The tournament has not been played yet. But look, this dates back to the last good team, that Don Verlin had, which they that team had a buy in 2016 17 law, and then you know they got a first round buy. then they lost to Southern Utah in the one game they played. That mean, it hasn't been since 2016 that Idaho won a big sky conference tournament game. You got that, that has to be right at the top of the list of the things you're trying to check off this year. And if the team's gonna, gonna play like they did the last four games, and suddenly this doesn't look like a bottom of the conference big sky team.
1: Yeah, this is, this is absolutely, again, they're, you're talking about losing to Eastern, yes, by eight, but uh, again, close game until the, the final minute. Uh, that Eastern team is 10 and one in the big sky. That Eastern team is, is, is for real. And you're talking about an Idaho team going in there and it not looking like a fluke uh again for for those that aren't watching the games and more just listening to the games and or even just listening to us talk about them or looking at box scores or maybe you've just checked out of Vandal basketball completely it it is very apparent you you watch the team for 5 minutes and it's it's a different coached team it feels Brian like there's there's just more there's more growth happening here than we've seen in in a lot of a lot of time and i, I want to specifically mention you you mentioned blassingame and, and neil and how long it will it be until neil is getting starter minutes i would argue he's already started getting the starter minutes uh blassingame played 16 minutes in starting against sacramento state and neil had 22 against eastern blassingame had 11 minutes and neil had 29 like i, I feel like pribble is uh, is catching onto this will neil start Next game? Not sure. Will he start at all this season? Not sure. But I do think you can kind of just see it in in watching the games. that Neil is starting to get more run. Hopefully, again, like you said, that's him kind of figuring it out a little bit. But uh, as as Tom Kendall says, hey, we we do need better guard play. Hopefully, Neil and Minnis can keep it up. Uh, Minnis has had a couple nice games recently. But just looking at this team, Brian, it feels like maybe – again maybe winning in in Boise is is a stretch still again we're still talking about a team that's that's 3 and 8 in the Big Sky absolutely going to be one of the bottom four four schools not going to not going to be getting out of that first round but there's there's potential here for the first time in in what feels honestly Brian like it's been I mean the before times the before covid times like it, it's been a long time since we've had we've had the the real belief here that hey maybe maybe things are moving in the right direction Uh, and patty frank's in the comment section looks like minutes tweaked an ankle saturday uh hopefully he's going to be all right but uh tom candle says hey to me it feels like they're one or two players away and russ might be one of those again you you lose russ immediately you lose again brian i know how much of a a linhart fan you were you lose linhart like unfortunately things are just not going super well right now uh, even if this team is purely healthy i'm not saying they'd be a sure shot to win the game in Boise, but I certainly feel like there's a little bit better chance of that than I did the last four years where it was just, we knew going in, they just weren't going to get
0: it done. Well, the reason I bring up Boise is one like the obvious, like this is de facto home court advantage for Idaho. And in half a decade, Idaho has no wins. It's indefensible. But uh, secondarily, so just looking at conference stats for a second, talking about scoring margin, there, the way the conference is, is split, the scoring margin explains it pretty damn well. Eastern Washington is winning conference games by an average of 12 and a half points. They're better than everyone. It's not close. They should win the league and they should win the conference tournament at the end. After Eastern, you have. Weber and Northern Colorado, they have scoring margins below seven and above six. So they're tier two, tier three, you have Montana state. I don't just beat Montana and Idaho state all with scoring margins between one and 1.8. So, Hey, those, that that's that middle group. Like, Hey, they play a ton of close games. They don't beat, they don't blow out anyone really. And then the bottom four, which has PSU top five Portland state, Idaho, Northern Arizona, and Sac State, all with scoring margins between negative six and negative 8.6 Sac States at the bottom. Well, Dallas, those four teams are going to make up the first two games of the conference tournament, just like they did last year when Idaho did not, again, did not win. So I think of those four teams, Look, Idaho doesn't have a great record in the round robin with those four. They they beat Sacramento State twice and have lost to Portland State competitively and then lost to NAU in like the worst basketball game I've ever seen. But I, I don't think Idaho's the least talented out of that group of four. And if they can score more than 60 points, it's on the table to beat any of those teams, and that's who they're looking at potentially in Boise. But you talked about things that haven't happened in forever. Look, the, the slate of games this week is weber state on thursday at, at so this is in moscow and then hosting idaho state this saturday and look I, weber state idaho is going to be picked to lose the, they've got dylan jones who's one of the two people who's potentially going to be big sky player of the year this year st thomas on northern colorado is the other one there's only two choices to pay attention to but idaho state man i gotta hit this up we all know it's been a while um dallas I told you before the show, but I'm going to pretend that didn't. how long, how long has it been since Idaho beat Idaho state?
1: I mean, the before times
0: that's, that's,
1: I think all that needs to be said. It's before, before COVID happened and
0: and the world kind of changed. Like it's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. The last time Idaho beat Idaho state was March 7th, 2020. So, Yeah. For you guys remember what's happened and all that, what, what feels like 600 years. uh, Cause that, that again, like you brought up, like, Hey, we're not a COVID, we're not going to talk about COVID as like our main topic guys, but it's been, it was pre COVID that Idaho beat Idaho state last. And I on the show said Idaho is going to beat Idaho state this year. I, I think they should, I think they absolutely can, but that's, that's a big marker for Idaho to hit potentially this Saturday. Um, and uh, to do a quick preview of that game. Idaho State doesn't score well at all. That's part of why like the, the game should be competitive. If Idaho can put a couple points now, Idaho State defense pretty well. But if I if Idaho can score around 70-ish, they can win this game, which 70 is 70 is not asking the world. Averaging 70 points per game would put you at Idaho State level, number six in big sky play. So the look, the two two games coming up. If I care about one over the other, obviously I want the I want Idaho to pick up wins, but Weaver State has underperformed this year. They're not a bad team. They they should be the number two team in the conference, but they're not. Uh, the Idaho State game is the God, we have to finally pick up a win. Hey, Tom Kendall in the comments section saying there'll be tailgating for the ISU game. I'm hearing. Yes, the Vandalizers published this, but also uh we we have some patrons in OnlyTub Discord who brought it up and just some other Vandal fans who they're gonna they're gonna Martin Arnzen. Sorry if I uh, took your name in vain there, dude. Um, they're going to be tailgating at around 1130 ish for the two o'clock game. So if you're in Moscow, if you're ga- and you're looking for something to do, hit the basketball tailgate. It won't be a uh, full parking lot, but it like new traditions have to start somewhere, guys. So look, Dallas, I just put you on the shelf basketball wise for quite a while. So, and you're you're kind of more of a listener on this episode, anyway, getting caught up on basketball. So, I guess, after a while, what we talked about, what else? Um, what else, Vandal basketball, in your mind, are you not clear on, or you think we we should be focusing on heading into this this week's games?
1: Brian, as again, as somebody who has watched considerably less basketball than you have, uh, just as again, it's one of my lesser favorite sports and just life things going on. I just haven't had the ability to watch a ton of games. Who are the guys that I should be focusing on as a, hey, you know what? That's cool. Vandal basketball is going to start turning it around. But next year and and year three and even year four of, of Pribble and, and when we're all expecting things to have really improved, who are the people I should be paying attention to? That's that's kind of the question I want to ask, because I, I know that uh, there's not, uh, not we don't have the, the viewership for basketball like we do football. So uh, for the people that are, are here and invested and are wanting to get into basketball, who are the faces and, and, and guys that people should be like, hey, this is this is a building
0: block. This is a guy who could could contribute here for a couple of years. Okay, it's a short term, long term question because hey, it's short term, guys. Idaho, the, the goal is obviously to win as many games as Idaho can. But this is not a team that's going to compete for Big Sky Championship. This is not a team that's going to win the tournament in Boise. Um, this is playing for culture, which, hey, Pribble talks about that at Tons Pressers, that year one, a lot of the focus is to build the culture of the program, which Idaho has a half-decade worth of, as far as winning is concerned, garbage culture to, to turn around. But, in a, hey, in addition to building culture, look, there, there's one senior – on the roster, D'Angelo minutes starting point guard. There's no prayer that only one roster spot turns over next year. Um, I, I don't, don't care what's said in any, any sort of press conference. I don't care what else has been enunciated publicly about any player. One, we know players just transfer like that does happen, but to like, this is Pribble's livelihood one way or another. He's going to get some open roster spots because this team Idaho should be better. I think, and I I think that we have some guys emerging that are explaining why Idaho's doing better, like the last four games than early in conference play, but big picture. Pribble wants to win conference titles. He's not doing it with this roster. They have to get some new guys. So short term, um, Julius Mims is he's a junior. He's a transfer from North Idaho college. On the season, uh, Julius Mims is averaging 11.6 points per game, 7.3 rebounds. Um, he's a rim run, rim runner, which is to say he's 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 a he's a post. He's about six six foot nine. He's a very good jumper. He's not bulky. He's not a guy you want to call post up isos for. But he's been a relatively solid finisher. He gets a ton of dunks. He also can make what like he he's a solid catch and shoot wide open threes kind of post. He's a very he's a building block that could start on virtually every single uh, Big Sky team uh, because he, again, he's scoring right around 12 points, but you don't have to call almost any plays for him. And he's one of the best. If he's not the best shot blocker in the Big Sky, he's the second. I don't know who else would be the second. He's one of the few true rim protectors in the Big Sky. He's on Idaho. Uh, in addition to to mims leading scorer is quinn danker uh danker he's a he's a d2 transfer as well he's averaging 12.3 points per game on the season uh shooting percentages are not exactly lighting the world on fire he's a junior shooting 40 percent from the field 34 percent from three um i expect danker is going to be on the roster next year but like the bigger deal uh for danker for idaho and danker is i expect he'll be a guy who's going to come back and he's look he's a kind of classic combo guard that maybe you wish was your sixth man in that he's a, he can be a nominal point guard. He's a solid catch and shoot player. He just, you know, you wish he didn't have to try to create some shots for himself because that's not what you'd call his cup of tea, but he's going to be a guy for sure. Who I expect is going to be around for the next for the next couple years or so. And Hey, it's not meaningless to lead the team in scoring. So hey, that's a, that's another name to pay attention to. Um, you, we talked about Tyler Morris for like one second. He's not, you're not going to see him on the floor because he's injured, but he's, he's rangy and he can shoot. That's what Idaho's missing missing um, out of Morris. Then we have Tyler Lindhart who, Hey, that's, that's my guy. And big sky plays averaging right around 10, 11 points per game Uh transfer from university of Washington, kind of like EJ Neal. I think he just took time to get comfortable with D one play. Cause at UW, he didn't really play very much at all. And he trans he signed at UW initially from a small school in Washington. So it's just a big jump. So realistically, he hadn't been playing the way he's he'd been used to for a long time. But he's strong, has strong footwork in the post, easily the best post footwork on the team. He's he's actually a guy you want to call post-up ISOs for solid catch and shoot three shooter, but kind of like both Lindhart and Kyson Rose are the same in that they're both solid three shooters that you want, you don't want them shooting more than two or three threes a game wide open. And the way the offense had cycled for a while, both those guys were shooting, in my mind, too many threes. That's part of why Rose has been so great these last three games. Crashing the boards, running to the rim on pick and rolls, getting more opportunistic looks in it, which is what he needs to look for in addition to. Rose is also uh, he's a solid back-to-the-basket player. But those are those are kind of the post post guys to watch for. And then on the wing, man, these are the guys who I think they're competing for who is for sure going to be on the team next year and who is fighting for minutes. We already talked about EJ Neal on the show today. Uh, we referenced Trevon blasting game who he's averaging four points a game on the season. Uh looks like he, he's, he's rangy like he's six foot four and long um, hasn't found his stroke really uh, on the season shooting 40% from the field 37 and a half from three, but not on great volume. Then, um, you know, we've got D'Angelo Minas. He's he's the senior, uh, about five foot seven. It's listed five foot nine. He's not five foot nine, averaging just under 10 on the season, but shooting 39.6% uh, p- from the field. Him in the uh, Minas in the Eastern game, that was one of the things that was big. And he's one of the guys paying attention to this year's Minas scored 17, shooting six of 14, but also picking up four assists. And like hey, Pribble hit on this, the presser against Eastern. Idaho tallied 20 assists on 29 made field goals. Then against, um, if you look at the Sacramento State game, 12 assists on 22 made field goals. If you look at the Montana State game, 13 assists on 31 made field goals. You're starting to drift a little bit in the wrong direction, but the big thing is Dribble wants the team to get more assists because this is not like an ISO-oriented team. And Minnis is a guy who can help get assists. He can break break teams down a little bit off the dribble. A lot of teams don't send help when Minnis penetrates, and that's part of why we got the production that we do out of him so far. But Hey, to cycle through all that stuff, try to sum it up in like an easily digestible form, Dallas. The Idaho team plays hard. The Idaho team plays a fun style. Like, do not look at the points per game total as indicative of a slow pace. They don't play a purposely slow pace like Idaho State. It's just a ton of guys who are clearly learning on the fly because it's their first year contributing at this level. We and if Idaho can get enough minor – enough step-ups in production from guys like EJ Neal, if he can continue some of that, if Rose can continue some of that, and if Idaho can get rotating production from a third guy, that could be menace, but that also, it could be other guys too. If Idaho can get that a little bit extra from a few guys, that's how you go from scoring 62, 64 to scoring 74, 75. And suddenly you're a threat to win almost every single game. Uh Franklin Spicer comment section saying if Minnesota is 5'10, Sacramento State is the best team in the conference. Thank you, Franklin. Yeah, no, and I've met Minus, he's a nice dude. He's, he's not 5'10. No, no, absolutely no chance. So hey, a long way of saying I, th- I think this team's fun to watch. And I think you, if you haven't given Idaho basketball a shot, you should. Um Just keep in mind that it's the first year there is growth, Uh, but hey, the team plays fast. The team, the team plays fun. They don't, there's, this is not a parade of self-inflicted gunshot wounds like we're used to from the last half decade. It's just, there's some talented teams in the big sky and Idaho has been an Idaho state level rebuild in basketball well that doesn't take a year it takes time we i do have some solid building blocks but what i'm paying attention to from here on is which guys are emerging to be contributors on a good big sky team because those are the guys that i think are, are gonna hopefully stay
1: yeah one last comment about Minus there uh patty frakes in the comment section i'm five six when i've stood next to Minus, i was looking directly into his eyes which i do not do very often um i also not one for eye contact either patty so i, I get it uh Brian, if you were Coach Pribble right now, uh, I appreciate that for anybody paying attention. Brian making a very seductive eye contact with me through the the webcam. Very, very weird uh, for such a public show. But, uh, hey, you know what? Hashtag OnlyTubs, baby. Uh, Brian, if you were Coach Pribble in the same, again, same kind of position that that Cody Hawkins is in at Idaho State, of, like, this is a a program that the administration let die with – terrible terrible coaching hires before him when you look at this roster what does he need to get in again the portal fresh recruits what are you looking for specifically
0: to take this team to the next level well look one to keep it this year we've seen guys on this team take developmental steps at kind of weird points in the year Like, hey, Lindhart took a developmental step after like his fourth or fifth game. And then these last couple, EJ Neal has stepped up. So like the very first thing is, we're going to see guys who are on this roster take steps this year that can get, that can kind of intimate what they'll be next year. In particular, guys, I'm buying EJ Neal stock right now. He looks like exactly the kind of guy who Idaho needs. And he's as a good defender, who's long and can catch and shoot. I guess here's another kind of, lens i like to look at basketball players from is hey could this guy start on the best or one of the best teams in the conference and if ej neal is going to play like he did against eastern he could start on a lot of teams but we've got to see that more than twice we've seen it twice on the season two's a trend but we we got to see it happen regularly before we say we say this is baked into what idaho has so the main thing Tom Kendall says point guard in the comment section. I'm not going to disagree exactly with that. What I will say is Idaho has had so long this year where they cannot generate easy buckets. And that comes from not having enough guards who can put the ball on the floor and get to the hoop or finish layups in stride or they can make one hard move to go by their guy without having to try to set up the move with, you know, like three or four crossovers, which Hey, like not a put down to Menace. That's what he has to do partially because he's like five foot six and he's playing against a lot of tall dudes. So like not a put down, if that's what you need to do, sweet, you should do it as a team. Idaho doesn't have enough shot creators. And I, when I say that it's, they don't have, they don't have guys who one get off and can get points when the offense breaks down or two, they've had too many times where a pick and roll doesn't really do anything because the defense is not concerned about the dribbler on the pick and roll. So they can just sag. So Idaho needs guys who can be more dynamic off the dribble, but then additionally do not disagree with Tom Kendall. Again, in the comment section, he says Idaho needs more shooting and I I feel like the jury is both in and not, which is, hey, Idaho's the number five team in the big sky in three-point percentage in conference. They're 34.9. But also when Idaho lost eight games in a row, there was a lot of garbage time minutes that baked in there. And I, I just feel like part of Idaho not getting good looks that I described earlier is also that, they, they don't, that doesn't help wide, wide open shooters get good looks, but simultaneously if Idaho had some electric three shooters that would create openings for penetration. Cause you have to guard that chest to chest and Idaho does not have those, at least with Murris out, Idaho does not have those. So a little bit more shooting, a lot more dribble penetration. And otherwise like, Hey, you know, keep Mims. He's good. Uh, keep Lindhart. He's, he's solid keep rose. He's emerging. That's three guys who can, can who can push each other for those starting two spots. So I guess hey, a long way to boil that down is I want to see what kind of development Idaho gets from the perimeter before the end of the year. But look, this is hey, this is kind of big sky one-on-one. It's a smaller conference league. Typically this is a guard to wing driven league. There are guards and wings to get that will go to a school like Idaho. That'll go to a school like Eastern Washington Idaho just needs to get those with a little more athleticism and a little more dynamism off the dribble.
1: As you could say, um,
0: maybe you need some pribble dribble. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you. Hashtag. Only tubs. Patreon.com backslash tubs, the club uh, contribute to the show, contribute to our shitty inside jokes. Uh get our tips when we have them. That's Hey, when we guys Just get the news. tips, yeah, this them. is actually one of the things that created that was weird for the show is we talked about Dan Jackson in the discord, like two weeks before he was announced, which then made it weird. Like talking on the show, it felt like it was old news, but anyway, patreon.com backslash tubs, the club costs as little as a cup of, as a shitty cup of coffee. You can certainly pay more. And we love when people pay more, but support the show patreon.com backslash tubs of the club the discord during football season is pretty wild it's also pretty active most of the year so help us out help yourself out join the patreon
1: with that any final thoughts from the man on the bench mr martin heemstra christy mayer Um, jumping in the comment section she's got the pribble dribble martin
2: do you have the pribble dribble i need to talk to my doctor first but kind of like, but to kind of just kind of, I'm, I'm not the basketball, like the men's basketball guy, and like I know I haven't talked about women's much this year. Maybe I'll just hop on a here and do my own quick like ten minute video to talk about what's been going on so far. But like, just as like more of a fan, more than like watching the men's team, like I, the games are actually fun this year, not just like like yesterday year. I, I went to just rage watch the men's teams' games in ICC Arena. This year, like I'm with Patrick. And like, they're actually fun to watch and talk about. It's not just a, it's not like sitting through like stats 251 for an hour, just trying to struggle by struggle, struggle through.
0: No, for a sub 500 team, I think they're weirdly fun to watch.
2: It's like, it is, it's like, they actually have like good moments, like with Mims's dunks and like the layups they get to them. It's, it is very entertaining to watch them play.
0: No, you can see there's a lot of what Idaho does that like Eastern does. Eastern's just been cooking for a while, uh, which makes sense. Say, hey, Pribble was on that Jim Hayford staff in 2014, 2015. That uh, Eastern that made the NCAA tournament, the Tyler Harvey team, the Vinky Joyce team. Uh, all the all those assistants, guys, uh, David Riley, Shante Legans, not Alex Pribble. They're all head coaches doing you know doing their thing at, at other schools. Um, you can see where that style, and that's part why I brought up the style, not being Idaho state. No, like there's not a bunch of like meaningless motion early, just meant to milk the shot clock. No, this, if this give Pribble some time, like I'm, I'm still all in on Pribble. I don't really give a shit what the record is. I've, I've seen progress. I I've seen where you can know why this team's going to be fun. It's just now this is the point where as fans, it sucks, but like, Hey, we got to be patient. And what do you do while you're being patient? Like Martin said, just show up and enjoy what they have, and then yeah. hey, look at the meaningful markers we can check off. One, it can happen this Saturday. Got to finally get a win over Idaho State.
2: You got to get King Spud back.
1: Fully on board with that. Got to get King Spud back. I just wish, man, just tie it back to football. That way, it just never leaves Moscow. That's that's all that's got to happen. So again, I think it's blackout the arena this weekend.
2: Think something like that
1: for Idaho State, I believe. It feels right. like an Idaho State troll. It it does. It really does. But it, I I think there's
2: a, I think it's blackout. Somebody correct
0: me if I'm wrong. I'm sure I am. Going to the crack. Talking. webs Going to the website
2: right now. Keep milking it. Keep milking it.
0: Keep no milking blackout out the Bengals. Blackout
1: the, the Bengals, man. It is blackout the Bengals. So if you are going down to Moscow, or if you're in Moscow, remember blackout the Bengals with that said guys
2: go vandals go vandals go vandals go vandals go vandals go vandals go vandals, go vandals.